From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today on our In Her Boots podcast, we're talking about tools for land conservation with Jennifer Filipiak, Executive Director of the Driftless Area Land Conservancy. A champion for women landowners, Jen explains what a conservation easement is and how this can be an important tool to strategically preserve your land with your conservation goals in mind. Want to keep your farm in agriculture and protect it for development? Listen in for ideas and resources. Jen Filipiak serves as Executive Director of the Driftless Area Land Conservancy, a land trust in southwest Wisconsin dedicated to protecting the natural and agricultural landscape through permanent land protection and restoration. Jen brings a diverse leadership background to this role, having worked extensively in conservation and women's landowner outreach for American Farmland Trust along with the Nature Conservancy. Jen and her husband Pete recently bought a farm and pasture in Lafayette County, jumping in on the challenges of restoring fencing and old barns. Thanks for joining our Moses In Her Boots podcast. We are fortunate to be here today with Jen Filipiak, who is the executive director of the Driftless Area Land Conservancy and an amazing champion for stewarding the land and supporting women landowners and putting all those pieces together to to care for more acreage. Right, Jen? You have done so much in this area. And I was curious, how how did things start for you? Where did your passion for caring for the land root. Yeah, it's been um it's been kind of a long and winding road for me. Um I start well first of all, uh Lisa, thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm a I'm a longtime listener, first time guest, so <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um so I'm happy to be here. Um yeah, it's, you know, it kind of this is what I talk about at the Women for the Land, um, Women Caring for the Land Learning Circles. Is my path in conservation really started young with my dad because I I actually grew up in the Chicago region. Um, my dad was an unlikely boat hunter. Um, I don't think I had any other friends in school that had um, bow hunters for a dad and ate venison. And so I kind of learned quickly when you when you mention that as a young child to your little eight year old friends. <laughs> <laughs> that you eat deer, um, you know, you you get a lot of questions about that. And I learned very early about the cycle of life and predator-prey relationships and ecological relationships and how important that dynamic balance is um, in the environment. I learned all that as a real young kid from my dad as a hunter. Um, and I ended up going to school and, and you know, being very engaged in that. Um, we I went to school in Michigan and became a wildlife biologist. And uh, kind of ironically went back to my roots <laughs> as a wildlife biologist and worked north of Chicago for the Lake County Forest Preserve District for several years, uh, being their wildlife biologist, working on a lot of habitat restoration and, and wildlife surveys and 
um, and managing deer <laughs> for the Forest Preserve District as well. Um, you know, from there, I got a job with the Nature Conservancy. I was pretty excited to uh, move with that organization. They brought me to Iowa. And it was really in Iowa where I heard Aldo Leopold's land ethic. We learn a lot about that. If you're a wildlife biologist, you learn about Aldo Leopold a lot in school, in every class. Yep. <laughs> and um, his land ethic of treating land as part of the community, that was, I heard that firsthand from farmers and landowners in Iowa when they told me about how, you know, their goal is to leave the land better than they found it. Um, and, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't really heard that before. And I, I guess I, it's a little naive. I guess I was a little surprised <laughs> to hear it from farmers. Um, but they very have a very strong conservation ethic. And just this whole new world opened up to me where I learned about farming and I learned about conservation practices on working lands and just how influential we could be with, with farmers. They own so much land, especially in Iowa. Um, and they're such, they really do care. You know, they care about the land. And, and so... I really started working more in agriculture and with farmers and landowners in Iowa, I learned about how land is rented. I had no idea that farmland was rented and that there's this whole other category <laughs> of cons potential conservationists, of people who own land but don't farm. Um, and, you know, from there, I moved back to Illinois for a while, um, kind of followed my husband's career around a little bit, got that position with American Farmland Trust, did a lot more work with conservation practices and farmland. And um, and now I find myself up here in the Driftless area of Wisconsin and really thrilled to be working with a, a local organization on um, conservation. And, and our mission includes agriculture. Um, you know, our mission is to protect the scenic and ecological and, you know, landscape beauty of the Driftless region of Wisconsin. And that includes ag lands and um, natural areas. So that's, <laughs> that's the that's the sprint down the winding road of my uh, <laughs> my career and my interest in conservation. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. Oh, but they all build off of each other. And now you are running a land trust. And could you share what what exactly is that? Because we hear that word thrown around a lot, but it's it's an actual it's an actual thing. Yeah, and. We actually have land trusts in our name, the Driftless Area Land Conservancy. Um, it's not not really land trust, but land conservancy. So a land trust really is um, it's a nonprofit organization that um, has as completely as its mission, or at least part of its mission, is actively working to conserve land by acquiring land or acquiring conservation easements. So a conservation easement is basically when a private a landowner says, "I want to protect this land forever." I want to restrict development on this land and keep it in a natural, some sort of a natural state um, or in an agricultural state forever. And you can do that with this legal tool called a conservation easement. And a land trust actually defends that easement. We monitor the easement. It's, it, it's our responsibility to make sure that any restrictions descri described in that easement are actually carried out. Um, so a land trust is, you know, it, some <laughs> is... It's a nonprofit organization that can purchase land or purchase or acquire conservation easements. And also they're generally working on stewarding or managing the land or conservation easements as well. And you'd be surprised to learn there's a lot of land trusts out there. So American Farmland Trust, who I worked for before, they're a land trust. 
Um, the Nature Conservancy is a land trust. The Nature Conservancy was one of the pioneers in establishing conservation easements. So um, it's part of what a, a nonprofit does. That's great. And and not to get too, we don't need to get into too, too much of the, the legal weeds on this, but it's definitely a tool, particularly for women landowners, right, who are passionate about keeping the land, be it in agriculture or conservation practices or other. And there's a lot of different ways to slice it, right? It's not, I think people too often think, I just have to donate my land and give it away for something like that to happen. But there's smart ways to do it that preserve Mm -hmm. your business, your land investment, your vision for your family or future generations. Is that right? Or Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's so a conservation easement. I off, um, how do I put this? So it's not really a tool for managing the land, you know? Um, and that's where the landowner comes in and, you know, had the, how you actually manage that land, you can't really dictate that in a conservation easement. But what what a conservation easement is, it's a tool to protect the land by restricting uses that you described very carefully. Um, you work with a as a landowner, you work with a land with a land trust um, and basically talk through what are your goals for the conservation of your land. And that might include, I want my land to continue to be uh, a productive working landscape. So you can write your conservation easement that says, you know, you can't put condos on my land, but you can continue to farm it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, as a tool for a tool for anyone, <laughs> but it's really a tool to think about what do you want the future of your land to be? It's it's a way to really a succession. It can be a succession planning tool. Um, what's the best way to pass this land down to my heirs? Um, and so that it can be a tool. There's a lot of complexities in, in tax structure and how that all works, but that's all part of it. You know, when you have a conservation easement, you're providing a public benefit. So there are tax incentives there too. Um, so yeah, it is, it is absolutely a way to, you know, the first question I ask when a landowner says, I'm thinking about protecting my land. And I, I heard I can do that by talking to a land trust like you. Can I learn a little more? The first question I ask them is, What's what's your goal? What do you want your legacy to be? What what's your goal for this land long term beyond your life? What is your goal? And that's really what a conservation easement is. It helps you, you know, realize that goal. Um, depending on whatever it is that you worked on, you might have spent the last twenty years of your life doing oak savanna restoration, and <laughs> you wanted to stay in oak savanna. When you're gone, um, you might have done tons of work with your farmer to. Um, you know, put in rotational grazing, for example, and you'd like it to stay in, in perennial cover. Um, we can talk about that as part of a conservation easement. Oh, that's really powerful, Jen. And it sounds like it's very personal, too, in that you as the landowner can direct how this is written and what exactly it protects. Would that be something, a conservation easement, too, for farmers to look into for? Absolutely. Yep. Keeping it, keeping what you've been growing, still growing. <laughs> Yeah. And with farmland, so we just call it a farm, farm, uh, an agricultural conservation easement is what we call it, but it's the exact same legal tool. And you're basically restricting uses of development, but you're still allowing for the use of, um, you know, for, for working lands, you know, with agricultural conservation easements, that easement, when you give up those rights, um, when you restrict your land and you're giving up the right to do certain activities, that is defined by you and the land trusts working together. When you give up those rights, those rights have value. 
So now, you know, the real, the simplest thing is, you know, you own land, you know, an hour outside of Madison, it is in the path of development. And you've basically said forever and ever, this land cannot be, no houses can go on this land. It can't be developed. Well, now you've taken away the development rights of that land and that has a value. So now the next person who buys that land, they can't put houses on it either. So now that land is worth less to them. And the the value of that easement, of those restrictions, um, you can donate that value to the land trust. And that's often what we ask people to do. And that's where a lot of good tax incentives come in. Or you can get into a program where there, there are programs out there where you can purchase the development rights of, of agricultural land. Farmers that are able to get into those kinds of programs, um, the money that they get basically for giving up the development rights beyond agriculture for that land, they often just take that funding and they reinvest it. They invest it right back into their farm. Now they know my farm is going to be a farm forever. And I know it's not going to be bought out by some developer because I've put this restriction on it. And so now it kind of flips a switch and that per- I've seen this happen where it kind of flips a switch and says, okay, this has been, this question is off the table now. This will always be a farm. And so I'm going to reinvest in it. They take that money and reinvest in it. And it's it can be very good for the, for the community. Um, and it's, it's great for farming, you know, we're losing a lot of farmland. Um, and so this is just a great tool to, to keep, keep having farmland. Oh yeah. It's a little different for farmers. It's, it's definitely that they can use to invest in their farm, you know, maybe even prevent bankruptcy or having That's great. And do you see in all of your work over the years, particularly with women landowners, why why do you think women have such a strong connection to these issues, to conservation and land preservation? Well, I, you know, Lisa, you and I work on the Women Caring for the Land um, program, and that it says it all in the name. Yep. <laughs> Women, they really care about this land and, and care about the stewardship of the land. And I, and I always say that that's not to say that men don't, but women do. They do very, very much. <laughs> and so, and we've often um, not focused our work to specifically engage women um, in these long-term decisions about their land. Um, and then when you do, though, they're very eager um, to think about. And, and they're all, they, I find too, more, I find this to be so, so com- such a common thread. And I've worked with women landowners in, in many different, all, all over the country. Um, and I find this thread to be really common, which is kind of taking like a long-term view of the land and a holistic approach of the land. So it's not just the tillable acres that they're thinking about. It's not just the acres that are farmed. It's, you know, it's the back 40. It's the woodlot. It's the homestead. It's, they're thinking about it, the whole farm, um, not just the parts of the farm that are producing crops or commodities or fruits and vegetables, et cetera. Um, And then they're also, I feel like they really do kind of take that long-term view. When I talk to women landowners, some of the first things that they usually tell me is, They tell me the history of their farm, you know, how they came to acquire it, that their family homesteaded on this farm. Or if their family didn't homestead on it, they often know that history. I acquired this from my neighbor. Their family's been here for generations. Um, And so I think I just I hear that thread very often. And the other thing that I always kind of get on my soapbox about, because I've talked to a lot of women non-farming landowners who rent their farm out to to you know, farmers in the neighborhood. Um, 
to work their land. And I think the biggest myth is that they they just care about the rent. They're, you know, they just keep the land so they can keep that rent check coming in. Um, they care if, if there's nothing else. I mean, they, they care very deeply about this land. Rent is important. You know, <laughs> the rent is often a critical income source for them. As for anybody, it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be a woman for, for the rent to be a critical income source. But um, it's not just about the rent. It's about how, how do I know, how do I work with my farmer to steward this land well, to make sure it's being taken care of? Um, and if I get a little rent, less rent to enable that to happen, that's okay. And I think, so they care. <laughs> they care very deeply about the land and, and have often have a emotional connection to the land too, to its history and just to its value beyond production. You bet. Yeah. And that interconnectedness, like you're talking about, that it's not, it's not just one thing for the short term. It's a lot of, I'll call them little things, but just a lot of conservation principles, right? Adding up to a healthy landscape, especially in the situations that you and I've worked on where we bring women landowners together and we find that support and collaboration between us that can be so empowering that we're not alone in this yeah yeah that's huge Mm -hmm. that isolation so many women landowners feel uh we can we can change that Mm -hmm. and shake that up a bit but yeah it's and it's interesting you mentioned like the long term of seeing the health of the land above a rent check this quarter and that there's more to it than that for the mm-hmm. health and and the production value, right, of the land long term, there's things we have to mm-hmm. invest in and do and keep going. Is there something that you'd like to see more of that would help support women landowners, or, or more more of the work we're doing, probably? But but other things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, um, uh, that's there's so many things. <laughs> so what would I? A part of a big thing too is just understanding that we have this whole layer of land ownership, especially of farmland. Um, you know, and I'm actually seeing it as now that I'm working with the Driftless Area Land Conservancy. Some of the landowners I work with, they're not full-time residents at their land. Um, you know, this might be second homes, or it might just be an acreage that they own as a like a hunting property or something like that. Um, and so I think the idea of there's this whole kind of category of land ownership of people that maybe they're not permanent residents on their land or in farmland, it's it's people who own the land but don't farm it themselves. You know, they're renting the land out to a, to a different farmer. Um, yeah. Those landowners, they care very much about the land, even though they might not be there every day. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at here is just because you own the land potentially from afar and not all people, not all people that own farmland and rent it out live very far away, but some do, but just cause you don't live there and you're not there every single day, doesn't mean that you don't care and doesn't mean you wouldn't be receptive to learning more about how you can care for your land with women, farmland owners. They are very interested in hearing, how can I do things that are really good for my land? And also that help my farmer. And they think of it as my farmer. They don't think of it as my tenant, you know. Um, this, this, they think of them as, can they be a partner in, in how we manage this land together? Um, so and I'm seeing it change because I've been doing, I've been working in this space for about six or seven years now. And I've seen it change over the years. It's just this awareness that there are these other landowners. Um, the people that are actually out working the land aren't necessarily the landowners. and We need to be talking to the landowners. 
And we especially need to be talking to, to women. I, in a lot of realms, and there's been some research, there's been a genius talked about the research on this. Um, you know, the, the work we do, the outreach that we do, it might not be inclusive to women. And that's not necessarily something that we've purposely set out to do. Um, but I can often say, you know, land ownership is changing, our audience is changing, and we need to change too. You know, we can't use the same message that we've used to reach out to male farmers for the past 30 years um, to reach out to women non-operating landowners. So, um, yeah, programming that's specific to women and really thinking about, I don't know, there's other groups too. There's other kind of um, non-traditional landowner groups. Um, beginning farmers, for example, might be receptive to different kinds of messaging than someone who's been farming for, for decades. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but I think um, the summary, though, Lisa, is um, yeah, more of what we're already doing. <laughs> Reaching out to women <laughs> hey. specifically, offering that programming, making sure they know about it. Yes, that's great. And and for a woman landowner who's starting to think about long-term planning and this idea of a conservation easement is is perking up interest, what would be the first step to learn more or to start researching that option? Yeah. I mean, the first step is, um, you know, find a land trust, <laughs> find the land trust that covers your area um, and um, reach out to them. Tell them that you're interested in protecting your land and they that's your first step. They can walk you through what your options would be. Um, and then so obviously the second question there is how do you find a land trust? <laughs> and um, there's a great website. I don't know the exact, but if you if you uh, search for the Land Trust Alliance, um, you can search on their website by your land's zip code and find out who are the land trusts that are active in your area. So yeah, that's a that's a great place to start is just find out who who's active in your area. Um, another place to start is if you have a county conservation district. So in Wisconsin, we have the, the we have conservation districts in Wisconsin, the land. Uh, they're, they're different in every county. There's a different name for them in every county. In other states, we have soil and water conservation districts. Um, so reaching out to that office is a great place to start too, because they, they know who the players are in your area and they can, they can help guide you. Terrific. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jen. And onward we go with the, the journey of getting more women keeping connected to the land. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.